About three years ago, give or take, I received a phone call from uh, another pastor I knew in the town I was living. And uh, he called me up and we were sort of chatting and he said, look, the reason I'm really calling is there's a young woman I'd really like you to see. And I said, well, you know, what do I need to see her? And he said, well, he said, you're a bit older than I am. I said, well, that's not a good start. And um, he said, no, you've been around a bit and there's just something not right here and I really don't know what to do and it's kind of spiritual and whatever. And I said, um, okay, so I agreed and, um, you know, within a, a few days, um, this young woman turned up. She was probably around 20 and she also had a friend with her. She, was, um, uh, she wasn't Australian and her English was kind of okay. So she um, came in and uh, the two of them sat down and um, I asked her, well, you know, what, what's going on? And she started explaining about um, having incredible fear and sensations and things happening and wanting to harm herself. And, um, and she, she talked a lot about that and her friend was going, yeah, she's she's got real problems and um, so, so I said to her I said well do you have any idea why this is happening you know do, what's going on and she said it's all because my mother hates me and I said really and she goes yeah she really really hates me so I said to her well give me some examples of what your mother does that you know really convinces you that she hates you so much and she said well I don't have any I said is she kind to you she said yes I said uh, is she paying for your education she was a foreign student she said yes I said are your parents wealthy she said no and I said well how are they paying for it well she goes to work so I can come and study in this country I said has she ever really physically hurt you she said no uh, and and I just kept asking her questions and I'm at the end thinking, can this woman adopt me? I mean, she sounded absolutely delightful, and yet here is a young woman sitting in front of me who was just quite anxious, and her body was doing things, and then she was kind of falling over, not in front of me, but reportedly, and all sorts of strange things happening. And so I said to her, I said, well, when did you first start feeling this way? And she said, oh, look, when, when I was little... And I said, okay. I said, look, this is what we're going to do if you're, if you're open to this. I said, how about we pray, you close your eyes, and I'm going to ask Jesus, are you okay if I ask Jesus? She said, yep. I'm going to ask Jesus to help clarify in your thinking, in your mind, when all this began. So she agreed, and so I, I, I just prayed, look, Jesus, um, I don't know what's going on here but can you help this young woman to understand what's actually going on in her life and where this began? And within a relatively short space of time, she said, I'm home, my mum is busy, I feel um, I'm in the way, so I go outside and this woman befriends me. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, um, and I said, well, tell me about this woman. And she starts telling her that, the woman keeps telling her that her mum hates her and all of these sorts of things. And I, I start asking all of these questions. And I said, well, what happens next? She said, the woman told me to go upstairs to the second floor building and to jump out. And I said, well, 
what did you do? She said, I, I, I climbed up there. And I said, well, what happened next? And she said, I tried to jump out. I said, well, how come you didn't jump out? She said, I don't know. I got stopped. And I said, well, who, who is this woman? Is she a family friend or a relative? She said, no. I said, is she a neighbor? She said, no. I said, well, who is she? Somebody you just ran into, she said, she's not a person. I said, what? She said, no, she's, she's not a person. She's somebody who isn't a person. But she always tells me to do things. And she's the one who's told me that I hate my mother and that my mother hates me. So I'm kind of sitting there <laughs> thinking, this other pastor, why did he send her? Um, and um, so I think, okay. So I said, well, so when all these strange things are happening now, is this woman telling you to do these strange things? She said, yeah. And she's, she's really scary. And I said, well, do you want to not have that woman in your life? And she says, well, no, I want her to be in my life. And I said, well, why do you want her to be in your life when she's telling you to jump off roofs and, and doing... She said, I'd be scared if she wasn't in my life. And I'm trying to be logical with her, and I'm trying to say, but she's, she's telling you to do things which are really destructive. She said, I know, but I want her to stay. <laughs> you see where this is going? And so, normally at this point, when something like that is happening, everybody starts really trying to fight the woman. You know what I'm saying? It's got nothing to do with the woman in a way. And so I said to her, okay, you're telling me that you're scared that if this woman goes away, then things will be worse for you. She said, yes. So I said, okay, are you willing for Jesus to tell you the truth about what you're believing about this fear? And she said, um, okay. So she she. She actually agreed. And so we just prayed. And I said, Lord Jesus, just tell her the truth. And she had this sense of Jesus speaking to her. And then she said, okay, it's now all right for the woman to go away. And I said to her, do you want the woman to go away? And she said, yes. So we prayed again. And I said, Jesus, you heard what she said. Can the woman now go away? And all of a sudden she said, the woman's gone. I said, well, how do you feel? She says, I feel pretty good. And I said, how do you feel about your mother? And she said, my mother loves me. My mother's always loved me. Okay? Now, you probably haven't experienced a whole lot of stuff like that, I hope. And if you're at Door of Hope for the first time and you think this is what we normally talk about every Sunday, you're wrong. I don't think we've ever talked about this in about the year since I've been here. It's never really come up. So I don't want you to think, wow, we talk about stuff like this all of the time. But it came up in the passage we're looking at. And I want to just read a couple of verses, and I want to talk about it. And I want to talk about it in a way that's really important, that may be different than you think. So let's just turn now to Luke's Gospel, because what we really want to focus on today is that we need to be certain about the authority of Jesus. You see, in that story I told, which 
basically is exactly what happened. No names, no more details. Okay. The thing that stands out for me is not, oh, how scary it is and all of this. The thing that stands out for me is that when you get Jesus involved and people are willing, anything wonderful can happen, and it does. And we need to understand and be certain about the fact that Jesus has authority on this earth to enable good things to happen and to reverse bad things. And that's what we need to take away from today. But the context is going to be within some of these more unusual spiritual things. But we should be very encouraged by this. And so if we turn to Luke 4.31 and a couple of verses following that, this is what we read. Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. His words had authority. Authority. I'm going to jump a little bit forward in this passage, um, if we can hit that bit where the verses 436 are. It's a few slides down, I know that. After he's done some other things, we read, All of the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power, he, Jesus, gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. Nobody should leave here today. Nobody should leave here today without understanding that Jesus has authority and power to change lives. Now, the other stuff about demons and whatever, you can do whatever you want with that. It's biblical, it's true. But I'm not really here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about this. That Jesus has authority and power over them and over other things in life. Now, let me just focus on authority and power for a moment. Now, they sound very similar, but they're actually two parts of the one thing, and you need both. What's authority? Well, we normally use the word authority in a legal sense, like a policeman has authority to stop you or to tell you what to do. But authority is even um, a richer word than that. It means you have freedom to do something. It is totally appropriate for you to do that. And we know what power is. Power is the ability, the force, to make things happen. Now, one of those two is not good enough. To have power without authority is like having a car without the keys. Hey, it's a V8. It's got... I don't know anything about cars, but... um, It's got an overhand... Look, I don't know. They've got exhausts and wheels. But you know what I'm saying. It's powerful. It's a V12. But if you don't have the keys and you don't know how to hotwire it, What's it good for? Nothing. But if you have the keys, if you have authority and you have freedom and you don't have power, I mean, if you're the policeman and there's 10 guys with guns and you don't have one, (laughs) you're in trouble. You need to have the power to overpower and to deal with the situation. And the Bible wants us to understand in this life, in this world, Jesus, who is truly God but truly human, has authority and power. And that authority and power, he walks around and it is just unbelievable. But I don't want you to equally think that that authority of power stopped 2,000 years ago because it did not. And it is still available and active today. 
Now, let's just look at some of these verses. If we go back, I'm going to go back a little and look at the situation where it first happened in verses 4, 33 and 34. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, you see that word in there, possessed? What happens every time you hear that word? Anybody who's my age remembers a movie called The... um, What was it? The Exorcist. I never went and saw it. I was too young. And it was the big scary movie of the 70s, okay, where there's a young girl who's possessed. Everybody hears this word possessed, okay? The word possession, don't don't think too much about it. It just means you're highly influenced, okay? When somebody is possessed, they have a very high level of influence by, in this case, evil. Everybody starts to work out spirits coming in. And, you know, the great problem with being possessed by a spirit is the spirit's immaterial. And how can actually an immaterial spirit... You know what I'm saying? But it's all about... It's all about influence. And here we're told there is a man who is greatly influenced by a demon, which is just a bad angel. It's all a demon is. But there's somebody whose life is under a high level of control. Now... The reason I, I don't want us to get too caught up with this whole thing about you know, people being possessed and whatever, and I've worked with people about 15 years in prayer ministry and whatever, and in 15 years I've seen between 5 and 10 people who I think may have something like this happening. It's a pretty low strike rate, isn't it? And the reality is, I think in, in, in our society, where people largely have not been into spiritual things, there is a lower level than that. And and what I really want to say is, look, Satan is an equal opportunity tempter. He will go after you wherever you're vulnerable. And way back then, they believed in a spiritual world, which is true, but they were more vulnerable because it was more in their belief system. And the thing we need to understand, as in the case of that young girl, is that spirits just can't come and control you. You have to be willing to invite them in. But Satan is not going to go that way with you if it's not part of the way you function. Now, of all of the people who I've worked with, and, you know, five or ten, I've been able to get about two of them, including that girl, to tell me what happened. And on both occasions, they said to me at some point when I was in really in fear, something offered to assist me, and I said yes. Okay? Simple as that. They weren't going to seances. They weren't sacrificing goats. They weren't wearing horns on their head. It was a simple and as scary and as vulnerable as that. But for most of us, it's never going to be like that. Satan is going to realize what your weakness is, and he'll go after that. Simple as that. You know, when Jesus was actually in the wilderness and he was fasting, he went after his hunger. And the very fact that he came down from heaven and left aside the glory of heaven, he tried to actually tempt him with running the world. He will basically go after the area that you and I are most vulnerable. And in our society, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, okay? He goes where we are vulnerable. Because what he's after is influence, and he really doesn't care the way he gets it. But my point's a simple one. Don't expect to see a lot of this, I think, in our society. But in Jesus' day, there was a lot because of, there was a lot of worship of spirits and things like this. 
But now you've got what happened. The important thing is, how does Jesus deal with it? Look at what he says in verses 35 to 37. He says, be quiet. Jesus sternly said, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before all of them and came out without injuring them. And all of the people were amazed and said to each other, what words are these? He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. We get fascinated with the possession and somehow it'd be easy to walk out of here and think, well, that was a sermon all about demons and whatever. Well, it's not. It's a message all about the power and the authority that Jesus has to basically say, stop and get out. Now, that's what we need to walk away with. Because our need, and I'm assuming your need is pretty similar to me, is that as I look at this world and the brokenness and the difficulty, you know, we call it here a fragile and uncertain world. Very good words for the world I inhabit. Now, I want to be linked with somebody who has power and authority over these circumstances. And look at how easily Jesus deals with this. And look at how easy it was to help that young girl. And basically everybody, which is between five and ten people who I've seen, it was that easy when you dealt with the lie that kept the thing in place. You just kind of know how to do it a little bit. Isn't that amazing? Jesus just says, be quiet. Gee, I wish I had that power as a father, you know. (laughs) Be quiet. (laughs) Or or not. Um, (laughs) This is is the power of God. And, and, And it really is powerful. The next thing we actually see is this. It's not just over, you know, demonic stuff and whatever. This is a point the Bible wants us to understand about the power and authority of Jesus. The next thing we see is that Jesus left the synagogue where all of this sort of demonic stuff was actually happening. Now, Simon, who was one of the other disciples, Simon Peter, same guy, has two names, can't make up their mind, I'm not sure why. But anyway, they actually basically say, now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her and she got up at once and began to wait on them. Now, I was actually running a a Bible study group once we were looking at this and, and, and a woman friend of mine said how typical <laughs> poor woman sick next thing she knows she's serving food I mean you know, who is this Jesus guy and I'm saying no no he, she wasn't forced to get up and put the food on the, the, the passage is making the point she was really, really sick and all of a sudden she's so well that she can get up and do anything. She's probably doing cartwheels all the way to Jerusalem after this. I don't know. But the point simply is, is when Jesus comes, he has the power and the authority to speak and all of a sudden a person's situation is actually reversed. And then there's a little summary in verse 40 and 41. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Now, the summary is kind of like, once everybody realized what Jesus could do, they were on the phones, even though there weren't phones back then, saying, Bring Uncle Fred down and go and get Sally. And they were bringing everybody because all of a sudden... They met somebody who had 
power and authority. And they were certain about this. And all of a sudden, amazing things happened. Now, if you're probably like me, and I hope you aren't too much in some ways, but anyway, if you're slightly like me, you're thinking, well, well, that's great. 2,000 years ago, everything worked. What about now? You know what I'm saying? Now, here's the, here's the really extraordinary thing. If you pick up the book of Acts, which is really the second part of Luke's gospel, part one and part two, you're going to see the most extraordinary thing. You're going to see that Peter didn't need Jesus anymore to actually heal his mother-in-law. He was able to do that. You know what I'm saying? And when you actually look in the book of Acts, you'll actually notice that the apostles are doing these extraordinary things and other people who aren't apostles. And if you cross the name out, you'd think Jesus was back in town. And a couple of weeks ago, you know, several weeks ago, we saw that Jesus was baptized and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit for this ministry. He's truly God. He's truly human. As God, he lays aside a lot of his abilities, but he functions as a human being. And what we are seeing here is God's intention of how a true human being should function, empowered and led and given authority by the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the problems is if you're thoughtful about this, you may say, well, that, that's good, but I've never seen anybody do as amazing things as Jesus has. Well, I'm actually here to tell you, I helped the girl get a demon out of her, I believe. I went and made my own lunch that day. <laughs> I mean, it went from the high to kind of like the fairly mundane. My wife was at work. She would have gladly made it for me, I assure you. But I'm a normal guy, but God has given me and you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, knowledge and power and authority. But I want to tell you what my failing is, and I want to tell you what your failing may be as well. Because you're thinking, well, what do I do with all of this? Well, I want to tell you what we all need to do with this. We all need to believe that if we're followers of Jesus, we do have the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, there is you know, a, a, a leading to go places, do things, ministries. But there is also empowerment and there is also authority in Jesus' name. But one of the things I said about Jesus is different to us. He's truly human, but one of the differences in his humanity is he is sinless. Now, occasionally we pretend we are. Okay. Did you do that? No, I really didn't do it. It must be somebody else. Um, but we struggle with sin still, even though we believe in Jesus. True? And part of that struggle in sin is not just simply going and doing bad, illegal, immoral things. Because a lot of us aren't doing stuff like that at all. But a lot of it is we have like a spiritual blockage where we don't trust enough. We don't believe enough. And, and part of the, the problem is, is that we've got stuff going on with ourselves that haven't been dealt with, which get in the way of being free, that authority, that free thing, to really, in a sense, embrace the things of Jesus. So I guess what I want to say to everybody today is that power and authority is available. I mean, he's the Christ, he's the Messiah. He didn't want demons to know about it or tell people about it because he had to go to the cross and he needed to basically get there. <laughs> Probably never thought about it, but if everybody had actually received Jesus, 
and not crucified him, then our sin wouldn't be atoned for. It's a pretty radical thought, isn't it? If everybody had received Jesus, everybody would still be sinful. (laughs) Scary, isn't it? But they didn't receive him. He was able to go to the cross and die on the cross in our place. That made us friends with God. That released the Holy Spirit. That brought on this new life. But my job as a believer now in this church is to have a commitment to deal with the stuff in my life that get in the way of me having that freedom and that power and that authority to go and do the things of God. Now, I I got involved in a prayer ministry many years ago because I thought I was going to help fix up all of these messed up people in my church. Not people like you, okay? Not people like you. And as I was learning to get involved in this prayer ministry, the first thing I found out was, guess what, how messed up I was, right? And how much garbage was in my life and how much doubt was in my life and how often I trusted in myself and not Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? And I guess what, I, what I'm really getting at is that one of the missions in my life, and I have not accomplished it perfectly by any means, is a, a real commitment to trying to deal with the garbage that gets in the way of me being the person God wants me to, to be. Now, we run many things in this church. One of them is Life Solutions, for instance. Life Solutions is not a perfect way. There isn't a perfect way, but it's a, a very targeted way of dealing with some of the garbage we bring into our Christian lives that gets in the way. One of the reasons we encourage everybody to spend 20 minutes in the chair every day and read the Bible is that we understand that hearing God's word helps us and encourages us. We need to be praying. Every time I really go and have an argument with my wife and say something dumb, which is probably too often, um, you know, I've got to stand back and go, why am I such a jerk? I've got to deal with this. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be honest with you that my behavior and my thought patterns and whatever, a lot of that gets in the way of me being the person that God wants me to be. We we talk about this movement from just, in a sense, um, being a friend here at church to, you know, moving all of the way through to being Jesus-centered and other-focused. And that movement is about getting more freedom. And, And in this church, we want to help people move through from not only coming to believe in Jesus, but getting rid of a whole lot of the garbage that gets in the way of us doing what Jesus wants us to do. And so when you see Jesus straddling the world... Yes, he's God, but he's laid a lot of that aside for this time. And what you see is what a true human being, while still being God, how a true human being lives empowered by the Holy Spirit with no blockage. That's the difference. And so our job, our job is to spiritually come before God with the help of this church own up to our blockages, not pretend. And with Jesus' help and with the help of others in the church, to deal with that stuff. Because I want to tell you, when I'm caught up with my junk, I'm no good to you. You know what I'm saying? I'm no good to anybody. And I want to love you and I want to be, you know, Jesus-focused and other person-centered. But I need to deal with the stuff in my life to help me to love you the way God wants me to love you. What do you reckon? Okay? So is it all about demon worship? No. Demon possession? No. 
Is that what today's message is about? No. Today's message is a certainty that Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, has power and authority. And we too, when we come to Jesus, are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we too have Jesus' power and authority where we continually ask him to do stuff. I'm going to pray now. It's not rocket science, is it? It's better than rocket science. I'm just going to pray now. And um, I'm just going to pray that God really convicts us through the Holy Spirit. Um, That God really encourages us to step up and look at those things that are getting in the way. Because God's got plans for everybody's life. Plans to help us be other person centered, other person, fo- other person, Jesus centered, other person's focused. Pray with me. Oh Lord Jesus, we're blown away by the fact that you would come down to earth, put up with all of the garbage that we're part of. You would lay aside your your power and and, and be empowered the same way that you call us to be empowered through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, on the one hand, we're amazed at your incredible power, yet we're equally amazed to think you want to work through us just like that, to change this world a person at a time. Oh Lord, each of us sit here and we know there are things in our lives we need to deal with, things we've been putting off, things that are uncomfortable, things that maybe prefer to pretend about but Lord just convict us by your Holy Spirit of our need to look at those things of our need to get down on our knees before you and deal with them maybe we are going to need life solutions and some other people to help us deal with those things Well, we want to say to you that's okay but today we just want to say yeah Lord we want to go after those things Because we want to be more like your dear son. To have that power and authority to to go out into our world and to show them the power of God ministered through us. Oh, Lord, help us, we pray. Really encourage us. We ask these things through your name, Jesus. Amen.